Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you here from Neyland Stadium where the 15th-ranked Tennessee football team has just uh, dispatched, uh, I think is the best way to put it, Ben, dispatched Akron uh, with pre- with extreme prejudice, 63-2-6. The Vols uh, take care of business in a game they were supposed to, to take, bi- take care of business in, uh, and I think they've done better than we did with some of our tech issues tonight. That's another topic for another day, but here we are. And Tennessee goes out there, maybe, you know, a little bit slow to start offensively. Uh, maybe a couple things discipline-wise could have been better. We'll touch on that stuff later. Some injuries certainly that are a big deal. We're definitely going to touch on that. Um, but generally speaking, uh, this this team went out here tonight and took care of business the way you're supposed to. Uh, it was not supposed to be a close game, and it absolutely was not a close game. No, it was not. And uh, I, I think you're, you're seeing real good signs – uh, from the Tennessee football program these first three weeks of the season. Week one, you beat an inferior team the way you're supposed to, the way good teams do. Uh, week two, you, you find a way uh, to, to beat a good Pittsburgh team on the road when you don't necessarily play your best football, and then you come back and, and you don't have a letdown after an emotional win on the road uh, and beat down again like you did with uh, Ball State to start the season. You beat down an inferior opponent the way that you should, and to me, Wes, as I've talked about the last couple of weeks, I think that's the sign of a good football team. Yeah, and, and we, we've got probably three or four main things we need to discuss after this game, and we will get to all of those. Uh, certainly, th- there's going to be a hell of a lot of discussion about Florida uh, moving forward. Certainly, it, it's now almost, a, I guess it is Sunday. It is officially Florida week now, Tennessee. That's obviously a huge game for, for innumerable reasons, and we'll discuss that all throughout the week and a little bit in this podcast. Uh, I think the injuries are certainly uh, something we have to touch on. I think the discipline, probably something we got to touch on. Um, but but I, I want to start, Ben, by nothing that happened on the field. I want to talk about the uh, what we saw in the stands. I mean, we're sitting here now in the, I believe, in the uh, the visiting radio booth right now up here at Neyland Stadium. And, and as we're looking out here, they've still got the lights on here at the field. Uh, this was a, a capacity crowd tonight. This was a sellout crowd in a non-conference game for the first time since Oklahoma came here in 2015 when I had a few less gray hairs and you might have been what? Were you doing slow dances in middle school maybe at that point? Or how, what, was the, what was the deal at that point? What year? Uh, 2015. 2015, I was two years out of high school. There you go. There you go. So you were a little bit older than that. I kid, I kid, I kid. But seriously, Tennessee, if you want to judge a program, there are a lot of different ways you can judge how things are going in a program. If you want to take a 30,000-foot view up and, and kind of look down and speak holistically about where a football program is, there are a lot of ways you can do that. One of the biggest, I think, is the excitement around the program. There used to be a time where Tennessee, playing a bad Akron team, 
any point in the season, it's still going to be a capacity crowd. It's still going to be rocking. Uh, it's still going to be Neyland Stadium. Uh, it's not been that way for a little bit, and, and deservedly so, I think. Tennessee has not been great in, in recent years, not certainly what it has been, and this fan base has had a stiff upper lip as you possibly can during the circumstances. I know that's a group that doesn't always love me, but I have always gone to bat for the passion of that fan base, and I always will because it is absolutely elite. Uh, This fan base, if you you open the door just halfway, this fan base is going to kick down the thing and, and, you know, damn the torpedoes. They're coming in. That's how they're going to be. And they were like that tonight. One of the best vol walk experiences you're going to see here. Amazingly, playing Akron, a bad Akron team. Unbelievable vol walk. Sold out. The student section is rocking. Uh, even though Akron returned a bunch of tickets and didn't bring a lot of people tonight, their section was still full of orange, uh, but still full. Ben, this was – I don't think this needs to get lost in the shuffle. That was an absolutely – in this day and age, when you can watch a game – on your 70-inch television at home with much cheaper beer, much cheaper food. They're coming here to watch this team in droves. They're coming here to see them play Akron, and and I think that tells you a lot about how this, this fan base feels right now. Absolutely. I mean, you can always gauge the interest of the fan base and, and how the fan base feels about the head coach in any sport by the attendance. I mean, it's as simple as that, and Josh Heupel hasn't done anything extraordinary yet. He hasn't beaten any of the three main opponents in Florida, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, He hasn't won a bowl game yet. He hasn't gone to a significant bowl game. He hasn't legitimately competed for uh, the SEC East uh, and for an SEC championship. And at a place like Tennessee, you have the resources to go play in the playoffs, especially now that the playoffs are being expanded. Uh, and, And he hasn't competed at that level yet. Uh, so expectations will change is my point. Obviously, nobody is faulting Heupel at this point. He's 15, 16, no, if you had told 16 me, if, games If in. you had told me the day he got here in that first spring that they would be where they are right now, I would have asked you two questions. What are you smoking and can I have some? Yes, and, and after – well, I don't know if I would have asked can I have some as well. Oh, I would have, I, I would have absolutely. I, I know you would have, but I, I would not have. But I, I would have asked what you were on, and then I would have said – well, dang, Hypo is exceeding expectations at that point and, and is ahead of schedule. I, I would certainly say that. I, I agree with your overall point that I never envisioned Tennessee going into the Florida game at home in September of year two, which will be his 17th game, if I'm not mistaken. I did not think Tennessee would be a top 15 team and a better team than Florida on paper. So uh, he is certainly ahead of schedule right now, especially when you consider the circumstances that he got the job. NCAA investigation hanging over his head, a ton of players transferred, and they just weren't, you know, scrubs. They, they were highly ranked recruits that you see Eric Gray tearing it up at Oklahoma when, when they're beating down on Nebraska earlier today. Henry Tolotolo is one of the best players on Alabama's defense. I mean, it was those type of players leaving on top of the NCAA investigation, and uh, Heupel's almost worked a minor miracle. And again, expectations will change. But I, I think tonight was a tip of the hat from, from Tennessee fans of sorts of, hey, thanks for giving us some hope. And uh, we, we didn't necessarily expect it to be this long. I, I do think the, the smart and average typical Tennessee fan understood what Heupel was, was taking over. But I think tonight was a tip of the hat of, of and a thank you for kind of speeding this process up. And, I, I mean, they're, they're already drooling about next Saturday and the potential of what next Saturday could be. And I think tonight was kind of a preview of, of something to come. And, and it's not just a non-conference game that this was a sellout for. It, it was freaking accurate. 
who is not good. Yeah. Akron's more ha- known for LeBron James. Has a has a I think a pretty talented quarterback who, if he had more around him, could do some things. He was good against Sparty until he got hurt, and then he was good tonight. Uh, considering he was under duress, he, he was throwing to a uh, former Tennessee commit, uh, you know, Saki Jacqueline, who, who who's a pretty good player. But Akron is not a good team, but it can throw the ball a little bit, and Irons can extend plays. He's a talented player, runs his mouth quite a bit, um, but also is a very good player. And, you know, he's a kid from Georgia who probably knows a lot of the guys on this Tennessee team, if I had to guess. So uh, I, I think there is um, there is a lot to be said about. The, the way the fan base was, but then going out there in a game like this and taking care of business the way that you should. Because you have Florida coming in next week. You're just coming off a really emotional win against Pittsburgh where you you know, you, you should have won by three touchdowns, but on the other hand, you did so many dumb things, you maybe shouldn't have won the game, but you won the game. Uh, and you come, this is just, this had trap game written all over it, but 102,000 people came here tonight, made sure it didn't happen. Uh, 70, 80 Tennessee football players came out here tonight made sure that didn't happen. They did what they had to do, and nothing's ever perfect, but in terms of the game itself, Ben, quick refresh, we don't need to go into it a lot because, uh, frankly, there's not a lot to discuss, Uh, but Tennessee goes out there again, doesn't get anything out of the first possession, which is weird because Tennessee almost always scored on the first possession last season, and now this year, been a little bit slow out of the gates, get down to the 30, Chase McGrath misses a field goal that normally I think he has a pretty good chance to make. Obviously, against Pitt, he made a tough field goal in a tough stadium to make long field goals historically, even for NFL guys, and he did that last week. Um, But he goes out there and misses. But then Tennessee's defense, as he did throughout the night, got a stop. They go down there, score on offense. Then the route is on. Then it becomes – you know, Hendon Hooker is going to play one possession in the third quarter because you're already up by a billion points. You're going to go out there and take care of business defensively. They rotated guys throughout the night, so they should be fresh there. Um, not a lot to complain about with the game itself, I don't think. No, and nothing stood out to me uh, watching it live in terms of maybe something that wasn't up to snuff. Uh, we'll talk about the penalties next. That that was, I guess, the the – the biggest takeaway uh, in, in terms of just having 11 penalties. I mean, that, that's just not And good. more than that, because a lot of them were wiped away. Yes, at least one key one was, was wiped away. So that, that was the, the one bugaboo that, that definitely sticks out watching it live. I'm going to go back tomorrow on Sunday and rewatch the game, and I'll have a takeaways piece from, from rewatching the game. But watching it live, it, it seemed pretty good all the way around except for the penalties. Hendon Hooker, although he did miss a couple of throws early, just like the Pittsburgh game, he bounced back and was 14 uh, of 18 for 298 yards, two touchdowns and zero interceptions. He's now thrown 36 touchdowns to three interceptions, uh, which is incredible, especially considering how, how little he's really played compared to what it feels like. So Hendon And compared to what he did at, at – at- at Virginia Tech, I mean, yeah, the he way wasn't that, this I mean, good. You talk about you know Joey Halsley and and Alex Golish uh, and, and Josh Heupel. I'm sorry, Ben, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I, I'm glad we're on the same page because I I thought I was maybe I was thinking about it post game and, and what I was thinking about. I guess one of us should spit it out is the way that these coaches develop quarterbacks. And I was thinking about it post game and really because of how Joe Milton played. Hinden looked great. Joe Milton looked great. Four or five, two touchdowns, 112 yards. I mean, just absolutely dropped it in the bucket to Ramel Keaton. It should had, never look that easy. And Jalen Hyatt was – Keaton was wide open. Hyatt was wide open. But on the first one, dropped it in the bucket, which he did not do last season at mm-hmm. all. And then on the second one to Hyatt, I mean, it was on a rope, an absolute dart. 
and he's he looks like a passer, and he did not look like that. So I was kind of questioning myself post game, like, am I overreacting because it's it's been against Ball State for Joe and and now Akron, but. I mean, now I feel more comfortable coming out and saying it now because <laughs> I guess you agree with me, but you, you do. You look at what Hendon was at Virginia Tech and what he is now, and, and not only Virginia Tech to Tennessee, but what Hendon was last fall camp to what he is now. I mean, it's night and day difference, and it's not just one guy. It's two guys. Joe did not look like a quarterback. He was just a great athlete who had potential, and now you're starting to see that potential come out of him, and it is 1,000%. And look, I'll make the, the asterisk next to Joe. He's got to go prove it against legitimate sure. competition at gotta some point. Got to get the chance to do it. Yes, absolutely. And, and he'll get his chance at some point. It, hopefully it's not this year, because if, if it is this year, that means Hendon got hurt. Uh, and ne- next season, I, I think Tennessee may be in – uh, a, a good spot quarterback-wise uh, with Joe. And, and then, obviously, you also have Nico Iamaliava. And I, I think Taven Jackson has pleasantly surprised them mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, but Joe does need to go prove it against legitimate competition at some point, and, and he'll get that opportunity. But just just to, to hammer home the point, I mean, that's two guys at Tennessee. There's other guys where Josh Heupel has been in the past that you can add to the list as well, but two guys in a short time at Tennessee that look night and day different from the time they got on campus, and that is all. Everybody's going to mention Josh Heupel first, but Joey Halsley gets a ton of credit, and so does Alex Skolish. And if you talk to those two quarterbacks, they will they will tell you that until, until they're blue in the face that it's not just Heupel. They love Heupel. Uh, but it's also Halsley, it's also Golish, it's all those guys. And, and, and I'll say this very quickly about Joe Milton. My stance on him has never changed. Uh, I'll, I'll say two things about Joe Milton. I don't know exactly how good he could be as a player, but I would freaking love to watch him try to do it. Um, because it, 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 if this kid, he is the most physically gifted quarterback I think I've seen at this program in terms of everything that he could be. Uh, he, you have to see him in person to see how big the dude is. He is absolutely enormous. He's a defensive end or outside linebacker who can throw a football. Um, the only and, one that I could think of is Tyler Bray. That that's where the arm compares, but where you could Bray did where, have where, an Yes, I mean Bray has as natural of an arm as you'll ever find, and Joe has that same type of arm. Yeah. But the difference, to your point, if Joe could ever piece it together, and look, it's a product of of two different college football philosophies. I mean, back sure. then you had the gunslinger and didn't really need the uh, mobility. Now in today's game, you, you do need the mobility. Not saying that Tyler Bray couldn't be successful in today's game. He could for sure. But Joe even takes what Bray had to the next level because he has that potential in the arm and he has the dual threat ability. Yeah, if you can watch that throw to Ramel Keaton and tell me you're not excited, I, I, I he don't. looks totally different than, than last than, year. Then you are basing everything based on about a dozen overthrows that happened in games last season, and not uh, just from this seat that we have right now to watch that that throw. How easy he made that look. Dropped how, it in the bucket, right in the bucket, and I don't know how far it went in the air, sixty yards, or whatever it was, just right there, and he flicked it. Um, but we do need to talk. Uh, about those guys and, and Hendon Hooker because, uh, again, he, uh, a couple times he didn't get his feet set and maybe didn't make the throw exactly the way he needed to. But he's 14 of 18 for 298 and two touchdowns. Uh, you, you can't really complain about that. Went out there and took care of business in a game that he needed to. However, there are some things about Tennessee tonight that, that maybe could have gone a little better, some of it performance-related, some of it just um, bad luck or bad decision-making. Uh, and with Florida rolling into town next week with SEC play getting started quickly, um, that, that's something that, that we need to discuss. 
and we will. But before we do that, we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads. You just heard a moment ago during that commercial break, Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium, uh, where Tennessee has uh, dispatched with prejudice uh, Akron 63-6. Uh, here uh, at Neyland Stadium Saturday night, an hour early Sunday morning. Nonetheless, the 15th-ranked Vols did what they were supposed to do in a game that should have been easy and, and frankly, was easy. So lots more to discuss about that. We're going to get a little quick preview going into Florida next week, um, but talk about a couple things maybe Tennessee could have done better or could have had go their way better during this game. We will discuss those things. But quickly, uh, before we do that, guys, just a quick request from our end. Uh, if you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. If, you, if you're just listening on the website right there on the stream, nothing wrong with that. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. We're right there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we are happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. You never want to say no complaints, but very few complaints from our end. Um, but since we do this for free, don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, and mash that subscribe button. Uh, and, and this is uh, tell your friends. That also works. Uh, if you got people that you're going to see in church this morning, if you got people that you're going to see playing golf throughout the week, you got people you're going to see in the office, hell, even if you don't have any friends, walk up to those people, you see them in orange, and say, hey, you might like the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. I wish you were my friend because I don't have any friends, but uh, one, do you want to be my friend? And two, do you want to listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? If you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben. Tennessee Akron 63 to 6 tells the story in and of itself right there more things went well than not for Tennessee in this game full stop however some things could have gone better uh, a, a couple of injury situations that we need to discuss a couple penalty situations that we I do think to be fair need to discuss um, what about the injuries first off? You know, a couple guys that weren't in the line tonight, a couple guys that got hurt during the game, including a couple of big, big names. Uh, some concern there for Tennessee. Yeah, real quick, I do want to finish my thought 
Go ahead. before the segment, before I got myself out of <laughs> out of order uh, by going on my tangent about Tennessee's ability to develop quarterbacks. Uh, we'll see when I go back and watch the game, but I thought everything looked good. Quarterbacks looked good. Running backs looked good. O-line did what they were supposed to. Receivers looked awesome. Jalen Hyatt was awesome. Uh, Brute McCoy, Cedric Tillman, they, they all looked good. Obviously, Cedric got hurt, and that is a big storyline. And I thought the defense looked fine uh, despite – rotating a ton of guys. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how much you can look into it. No one more than five tackles. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Aaron Beasley barely played to start the game, and I think that was on purpose to, to maybe lighten his load after playing a lot of snaps last week at Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and, look, there were a lot of young guys that played early like they did against Ball State but then didn't play against Pittsburgh. So you, you, you were playing some guys – early some young guys early tonight that you probably won't see uh, against Florida and LSU so I don't know that you can really take anything or much away from the defense tonight but as a whole the defense was good anytime you, you don't allow a touchdown although they did have one that was dropped in the end zone but right in the right in the, right in the bucket and got dropped but even if that was caught I mean one touchdown like even teams like Akron it's not absurd for in these matchups to see those teams score. I mean, UL sure. Monroe scored against Alabama today. So um, I, I thought just watching it live, uh, Tennessee just kind of looked good in all phases, special teams as well outside of that Chase McGrath uh, missed field goal. But uh, I'll go back and watch the game later today, and I'll have a takeaways piece on, on that later up. But uh, like you mentioned, the bigger storyline is the injuries. Uh, and, and the main one that everybody was concerned about was Cedric Tillman, who Josh Heupel said that, uh, they, they're not necessarily concerned that it's a, a long-term issue, and everybody seemed pretty upbeat. And, and that's a guy that Tennessee just obviously, I'm stating the obvious, that Tennessee cannot afford to lose. And, and that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, Hinton Hooker, they were all very upbeat after the game when kind of they were asked about their reaction to Cedric getting hurt. Um, Josh Heupel was upbeat as well. And, and if it was a serious injury, those guys aren't going to be upbeat in their answers. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Tillman watching him hop around a little bit there in the second half and on the sideline, as much work as that young man has put into this game and as much as important as this season is for him, not just for his pride, because he came back to Tennessee because he thought he had, you know, uh, some, some unfinished business and, and Tennessee being better was part of that business. But let's be real, financially for him too. I mean, this is a big, big season. He's a young man who's who's flying up a lot of draft boards right now, and rightfully so. He's one of the best wide receivers in college football, if not one of the best overall players in college football. If he was hurt seriously for an extended period of time, I do not think he would have been acting the way that, that he was there uh, in the second half. And I, and I do think, uh, again, these old eyes, I'm not sure I would trust this, but it looked to me like he kind of popped out of the tent and told the guys he was okay. It uh, wasn't a big deal. So we will see. Um, but he was out there for the second half in street clothes with his jersey on. But but not, not, not. I don't think, a huge deal there. Obviously, we'll monitor, monitor it every opportunity. We get to speak with Josh Heupel this week. We will ask him about it. He will almost assuredly dodge those questions, as he does. Uh, he turns into quite the uh, Heisman stiff arm guy when, when, when he comes to injuries. As, his, as he should. As his right. As he's a football coach. It's his team. It's, I would do the same thing. Why would you give anybody information? You don't have to. Our job is to find it. Their job is to hide it. It is what it is. That's the rat race. That's what we're into. Everyone knows the drill. But uh, I do think that injury with Jabari Small and that injury to Dylan Sampson at the end of the game there or late in the game, those are big deals to me because – 
you can look at the numbers here. You don't have to be very good at math to know that Tennessee was thin at running back. Four scholarship running backs going into this game healthy, and, and maybe two of them got dinged up in this game. Two of them got dinged up for sure, but how bad it is, we don't know. Um, but, Ben, everything Tennessee does, people think about Heupel with the, with the passing game, and they always have. Everything Heupel's offense does starts with the run. It always has. It probably always will. It starts with the run. They base things off of that. Uh, and, and I think Hooker will run a little bit more in SEC play probably, and that will help things. But if you've got right now two fully healthy scholarship running backs, uh, that's not a great thing. No, not at all. And, I mean, it, it could honestly be down to one if, if worst-case scenario – played out and, and Jabari Small's injury seems worse than what it was and I, I don't think the Jabari Small injury is that serious. He does have shoulder problems in his past. Yes, that that's what's concerning. Not not necessarily the particular injury that he sustained tonight, but the fact that this is becoming a common theme with him and, and he worked all offseason to prevent these shoulder injuries and he only made it to week three before it bothered him. And and I was talking to you in the Pittsburgh press press box last week of how he was kind of taken out early in that game and you didn't see a ton of them. I, I wonder if, if that was a result of maybe the injury starting to bug him last week as well. So uh, something to monitor. But aside from the injury history being the, the cause for concern with Jabari Small, you didn't have to put him back in the game against Akron. And I saw him down on the sideline cutting up with the trainers and, and laughing and, and whatnot. So he seemed to be Fine. Just and he's begin. a tough kid if he can play through yes. it well. And just no need to put him in against Akron. I, I think the more concerning one is Dylan Sampson, and that's really because we didn't see anything of him on the sideline or, or anything af- after his injury. And it kind of got swept under the rug in the sense of it happened right along the sideline, and, and uh, it looked like he got rolled up on, and he was able to roll over into the Tennessee sideline. It was kind of covered up by <laughs> the, the millions of bodies down there on the sideline. Uh, if if worst-case scenario plays out, as I was mentioning, and Jabari Small can't give it a go or is, is even 75%, 60%, not 100%, uh, and Dylan Sampson isn't able to give it a go, you're down to Jalen Wright. And Jalen Wright outside of – And Justin Williams-Thomas if you need him. Right. You're down to – yeah, I was – that was where I was going. You, you've got Jalen Wright and Justin Williams-Thomas, and Jalen Wright has looked good outside of the two fumbles, took a nice step forward tonight and not fumbling after he did twice in the first two games. Uh, and outside of those fumbles, he's looked really good running the football. I, I think he's going to have a big career at Tennessee in this Josh Heupel offense, but you can't just rely on him to beat Florida and LSU. And like you mentioned, you do have the other freshman, Justin Williams-Thomas, but I don't think there's a lot of trust in him against Florida and against LSU. Obviously, you're going to play him against Ball State. You're going to play him against Akron. But you're not going to play him against the better team. So you may have to, obviously. But ideally, you would like to avoid that. So uh, if, if worst-case scenario plays out, then you're down to Jalen Wright and pretty much just Jalen Wright. And, and that's not good news going into Florida and LSU. No, and, and if I had one sort of – point of contention with Tennessee's offense or one thing that I that I think is a little bit uh, just a, a, a mildly disappointing is that you're unless you're like an Alabama or Georgia or Clemson now it's hard to be kind of elite across the board and Clemson sucks at offense so I shouldn't say that but Ohio State you know I, I guess and 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 Bama and Georgia the way they recruit you're always going to have a couple areas on your team where you're like nah, I wish we were a little bit better there um, but when you watch this Tennessee offense and you watch how good things are everywhere else in every game They've left some stuff out there in the run game. 
there there have been some some guys that are just not making miss when it's a huge play if they do. Uh, they're, they're just – it seems like they are so close so often to being one little thing away in the run game. And everything else they're doing offensively, if you could sprinkle that on top of it, you would have one of the absolute best offenses in all of college football. You might anyway, but it almost certainly would be if you could have that. But, but you don't have that right now. Uh, I do – if Jalen Wright were a stock, I would buy the hell out of it. I, I have been high on this kid for a long time. I think he's going to have a nice career at Tennessee. I really like Dylan Sampson. Um, you know, Jabari Small, Just I, I want to see a little more there. I don't know if it's the shoulder. I don't know if it's just whatever it is. Um, you'd like to see him be healthy, but you'd like to see him kind of get some more, make some more of those guys miss and do some of those things. So, um, because this offense is going to have, it has so much space. You just got to make one guy miss and then, then you're gone. And, and I think that is something to look at going forward. But just practically speaking, you need more bodies. I mean, Tennessee has not played a single SEC football game this season, and it's going to play at least eight of them. So, you know, you get a bye week after next week, so you can throw everything at the wall next week and see where you are after that. Uh, if guys are a little 50-50, you can go ahead and play them next week. You got the bye week next week, see where they are. It's Florida. You're going to need them. Um, but then uh, you, you, you get concerned a little bit because maybe Hooker runs a little bit more going forward in SEC play, but but you don't want to rely on that. He can do that, obviously. You don't want to rely on that a lot. You want to be able to run the football, and and so with your backs and traditionally, and you definitely don't want to have to put like Princeton Fan in there at running back and pass pro, and sometimes because you don't have numbers. There's a lot of things you don't want to do, Ben. But there's a lot to talk about there going forward, and we're going to have to talk about that. But before we get out of here, I do want to talk about the penalties. Tennessee did have 11, I believe, tonight. Let's look at the numbers here. Yes. It was 11 for 118 yards, and that's not counting at least two 15-yard penalties on the same play that got wiped out um, because Jimmy Callaway, after he went Grand Theft Auto uh, out there for a while, after uh, the, the old old uh, uh, DB for, for, uh, for Akron pulled on his face mask, and then he decided to fight the world, uh, stupidly, I might say, uh, but uh, other than that, a couple of soft penalties tonight, Ben, but way too many penalties. Not going to bother you against Akron, Ben, but it's going to bother you down the road. Got to clean it up. Yeah, for sure. And, and there were very silly penalties in, in the process that, that you would think would be easy to clean up. And, and Tennessee's going to have to do that at some point. Uh, I mean, if you look at Josh Heupel's teams traditionally, they, they have been pretty heavily penalized. Um, is that just <laughs> – just kind of something out of the blue. I don't lot, know. They play more snaps. I don't yes, I mean that that is certainly possible as well. But I mean, it's it's something that definitely has to be cleaned up uh, moving forward because it, it'll bite you in the butt uh, against Florida and LSU and Alabama and Georgia if you want to pull off that upset, or or even a Kentucky coming into town. I mean, you can't beat yourself because Kentucky is a good enough program to where they they will make you pay for it. So uh, Tennessee will need to certainly clean that up. But uh, aside from the penalties. It was a really good night of football. Uh, the crowd and the injuries were the key storylines, in, in my opinion. Uh, but also, the other storyline coming out of this game is that although Florida does not look good in a close, lucky win over uh, USF, it, it does set up for a, a big-time matchup. Uh, and I think more so on, on Tennessee's side of things. I, I think that, and we'll talk about this more as the week goes on, I think that this is a game that Josh Heupel in this program has to have, has to. Not not necessarily if you lose it, then everything's going to spiral out of control. That that's obviously not the case. But you've you've 
Josh Heupel's got to start beating the rivals, as I mentioned earlier, as expectations continue to change. Uh, and you also have to take advantage of Florida being down. That, that's the main thing is I, I do firmly believe that Tennessee is a better football team on paper than Florida. Obviously, the game is not played on paper. You play it on the grass for a reason. And over the last 20 years, we have seen a couple of Tennessee teams that are better than Florida on paper. And it did not matter one bit when the game kicked off. So uh, I do think that this is a, a huge, huge game coming up this Saturday, more for Tennessee than it is Florida, just because of where Billy Napier is with his program. This will be just his third game, fourth game. Uh, and Josh Heupel, I mean, he's obviously been at Tennessee longer than Napier, even if it is for a year. So I think the, the storyline outside of the injuries uh, and the tremendous crowd and, and showing from Tennessee fans tonight, the storyline coming out is, is that it sets up for – a uh, chance for Tennessee to, I think, make a statement uh, and, and kind of solidify it itself, quite frankly. It, it's one thing to go up and beat a solid pit team on the road, uh, but I, I think it's uh, another thing, even if Florida is down, to, to beat a conference opponent at home. So it, it'll be a fun, fun atmosphere, and I, I think the fans are already drooling. They, they've already got drool coming out of their mouth as they're salivating for this one. Should be, uh, unless I'm wrong, also Billy Napier's first road game as a as a head football coach at Florida, yep, right? Yep, because it's been Utah, Kentucky, and USF. And they've all been down in the swamp, so, so the, we'll see how they do. And it's interesting because Anthony Richardson is a guy who on paper – um, if you just watch the, the dude play the game at times, his best highlight clips scare the hell out of you how talented that kid is. Uh, but I believe right now on this season he has, what, zero touchdown passes and three tackles? Uh, I so think it's two no, tackles. Yeah, I think it's two, two tackles, four interceptions, and zero passing touchdowns. And, and I will say – Florida's receivers are not good. They, and their they, offensive they, line's also not good. No. So he doesn't have a ton of help around him. He, he has very little skill guys that can help him out. But I, I don't know what's happened. He looked awesome, Le- legitimately looked awesome. It wasn't people overhyping him week one against Utah. He was freaking awesome in that Utah game. Yeah. He's looked the complete opposite the last two. He's played really bad football. Yeah, but I will say this, um, to sort of marry the final two points there, I, I think – to me, it's easy to dismiss what we saw from Tennessee with the disciplines tonight, with the penalties. However, go back to the pit game last year, go back to a couple other games last year. It absolutely could have been the difference in a win or a loss. And, and when you go forward here, you're going to have – and I'm not just talking about the, the stuff with, with, with Callaway there. That was just a one-off dumb thing that it happened. But whatever. None of that counted for the 11 penalties – that Tennessee had in the game tonight. There were a couple of things that may, may be a soft, um, one really questionable passing, uh, pass, uh, you know, roughing the passer call, a second that is technically by the book a call, even though it's frustrating to watch. It is technically by the book the right call. And, and then two OPI calls on Brew McCoy, one which was, I think, legitimate, one was really, really soft. So uh, that might just be the fact that Brew McCoy is built like a tight end. It's not his. It's like the old Shaq rules of basketball. It's not his fault that he's that big. So uh, I, I think there are some of those things that it's easy to dismiss, but at some point they come back and bite you and they make you lose games. And it's good that Heupel and several of his players acknowledged that Saturday night. But now you got to go put that into action, right? Because football is a weird game. Been one of the, a couple of coaches I've covered. One in particular who I won't mention, he, he, he was uh, – because he, he told me this sort of on background. He was always terrified to say it on the record because his team had a lot of penalties. But he always said, you know, a team to me 
that doesn't have many penalties is usually a team that's not trying. So he's like, go look at some of the best teams in the country. They're not always the least penalized. Some of them are penalized quite a bit because they're playing hard, they're playing on the edge, and they make mistakes, uh, and those things happen. So you'd rather have that than a team that's timid and doesn't give you a chance. But uh, when there are some just simple things you can cut out, you need to do that because this team is good, but it's, it's, it, it, it's, not, it's not maybe good enough to get away with that stuff, Ben. No, it's not. And I think they'll clean that up. It's an important week of, of practice. And I, I did like uh, the business-like approach after the game. Uh, Hinden Hooker was asked a couple of times afterwards, kind of, does the mood in the, the building change going into Florida week? And as he rightfully said, no, it doesn't. It's, a, it's another game. For him, it won't. No. But, I mean, that that's the – for us fans and, and media members, it's hard to wrap our heads around the mentality that the players need to have because we've never been put in that situation. We know it's a bigger week. They know it's a bigger week. But they ha- they do genuinely have to treat it as just a regular old football game because if you start to buy in that, okay, it's Florida, this is different than everybody else, then you start to press. And if you start to press, some guys may not be able to handle pressing all that well. Uh, they, they may make mistakes because they're pressing. So that's why coaches preach going 1-0 and and they're only worried about the next game. It's why Josh Heupel is asked about a sellout before the game on, on Thursday, a sellout against Akron on Thursday. He says – or he was asked about Florida being sold out. I'm sorry. And he did not have a comment. He just said, nope. What's your reaction to to Florida being sold out? Nope. That was his his thought process because he doesn't want to be thinking about Florida when you have a game against Akron because you don't want to get Notre Dameed and lose to Marshall. You don't want to be A and M and lose to App State. And well, you don't want people criticizing for you for admitting that you're already thinking about the Florida game, even if you are a little. Yeah, bit. and and for him, I mean, it was the making sure the players were locked in and ready to go against Akron. Um, so I. I I thought that Hendon and the other guys, Jalen McCullough, Jalen Hyde, that they were spot on with their commentary about, hey, it's just another week, another game. That's what it's not. If you ask them without a microphone in their face, they'll, they'll admit that yeah, it's Florida week, but it seems like their head is in a good space of. We're happy we're three and zero, but we're not content and got to keep working. Yep, and Tennessee also got Jalen Hyatt going north and south tonight, which was a big thing. That that's that's he can go left and right, but uh, going straight up and down is what he does best. Lots more to discuss about this game, uh, not this game, but the game coming up because it is now officially Florida week. So we'll have much more to discuss there. Uh, but right now, uh, we've still got to go write some stories and do some stuff. So we're going to go do those things. Uh, we're we're going to go. I'll put on another pot of coffee and go get some of this work done. Uh, but uh, thanks for listening, Ben. Thank you for being here, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Go college football. There's that button, and now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24/7 podcast, guys. Thank you, thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm West Rucker 24/7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24/7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24/7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear 
East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it, get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.